Today on Defining Truth, Biden, possibly now with full dementia, as DOJ investigation reveals he has a faulty memory. Also, Tucker Carlson goes to the Kremlin, had a long conversation with President Putin. And lastly, Hawaii decides the Second Amendment is for old and outdated people, and they no longer need it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Defining Truth, episode 28. I have a lot going on in the world today that we're going to get into in a minute. But as always, check out www.definingtruth.org and find out what we're doing over here. Also, you can check out the book, Defining Truth, which is out in paperback and digital. And if you'd like a free audio sample, you can go to the website, definingtruth.org, and download it there. Anyways, lots going on today. We got Tucker going to Russia. We have Hawaii rejecting the Second Amendment. And Biden, no surprise, uh, is losing his mind. Um, Brandon, but take us to the first one. Yeah, so... Biden lost his mind last night and it was sparked by the special counsel, Robert Hur's, uh He releases a searing report on Thursday that concluded basically that Joe Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified uh, military and national security information. Mm. But because he's old and basically has dementia, uh, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but uh, he's not going to face charges even after resources were spent uh, on a year-long investigation into the handling of these classified documents. Which is insane. And at least part of that reason is because the investigators determined that he was an elderly man with a failing memory. I think they were their concern, according to them, was that a jury wouldn't even indict or find him guilty because of his physical and health status, <clears throat> which, of course, has major implications for him being the president of the United States, which immediately causes huge backlash, right? And then today... After this interview or his press brief yesterday, today they have an emergency damage control briefing because all these reporters are asking about his mental health. And uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about how the White House handled that. I thought it was comical. Basically, the DOJ investigation found Biden had a faulty memory. That's what everyone took away from that. Um, And that he willfully retained the classified documents, like you said, but he's not going to be charged because of his memory. Um, What I thought was interesting is that since he seems to be a zombie most of the time, right? But there's one thing that really animates him and gets him excited, and that's Donald Trump. So in the first briefing yesterday, he spends this enraged rant, uh, the first like 10 minutes of him talking about Donald Trump. It's like when two kids get in trouble and the other one's just like, but my, but my sister, but my sister did this. And I mean, literally, as he was responding to the, the investigation findings and that they weren't going to charge him, he's just ranting about how Trump had documents and why I'm different than Trump because of this and that. It's funny we see that pattern quite a bit of like the only time he gets really animated is to like rage out on Donald Trump. Or when somebody questions <clears throat> his cognitive ability, he really gets riled up then too. Yeah. He had it in with uh, Pete Ducey from Fox News. Yeah, same thing. Um, when notably also when he was, so he was supposed to be done. I'm sure his handlers were upset about this. He's walking off stage after the brief and someone shouts off from the side. What about Israel, Mr. President? And so he like stops, right? He stares at his feet like he always does. And then he like shuffles back over to the podium and then he gives this weird mumbling. Like as soon as talking about Trump was done, his eyes are back down at, at his feet at the podium. And he said uh, something that, you know, made a lot of people mad um, that 
Israel's response to the massacre of their people on October 7th was over the top. And that was sort of like unplanned. You can see he's like flipping through papers and he's back to mumbling. And it was it's really, really strange. Of course, that drew the attention of a lot of Israeli news outlets and uh, conservatives on the side of Israel. Uh, just really, really strange behavior. So the, so the following day, like we said, there was so much backlash to the investigation findings that he was not mentally competent that they hold a second brief in their damage control attempt. And I thought it was really interesting how they try to control the narrative here because they're shifting the issue away from Biden's mental health and his uh, endless rants on documents and and how cooperative Biden was, et cetera. And all they want to talk about is the documents, right? So it's very strange framing. You can see their, their consultants and, and the team up there going, okay, we got to control what Joe Biden says. Let's not talk about the fact that he's mentally declining. Let's just completely ignore it. And let's talk about these classified documents, which nobody cares about. Honestly, like who in America right now cares about these documents in his garage? It's tit for tat. They well, do that's, why the they're, that's why they're pivoting to that. Oh my gosh, I know. Well, none of the, the White House's attempts on damage control had anything to do with Biden's memory, which is, which is funny. It's like the reporters couldn't even wait. As soon as the person speaking at the podium, no matter who it was, took a breath, reporters immediately started asking about his memory because that's what they're all really there for. And yet the White House went on and on and on about, well, you see, our documents were different than the ones Trump had because it's like, dude, nobody cares about that. Um, If you watch the briefing, you basically see every reporter just waiting for the White House to stop talking so they can ask about what they're really there for. And it was the memory issue. Um, ironically, they're trying to frame the entire investigation two ways simultaneously. So on one hand, the investigation was fantastic and wonderful, and they correctly found that Joe Biden didn't do anything wrong. At the end of the day, not a single American cares about what they're talking about. And then literally, in the other hand, at the same time, they're saying the investigation, you know, you can't trust it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's gratuitous and inappropriate. Um, even though you could trust what they said about the documents, they did a wonderful job there. At the same time, don't trust them. They did a terrible job and they don't know anything about Joe Biden's memory. So, so don't worry about that part. Trust everything else that we like. Um, basically, they're trying to tell Americans that this dementia that you see with your own eyes on the news all the time, it's all fake. It's made up by Republicans. Pretty outrageous. Uh, in response to that, some Republicans are calling for Biden to be stripped of his power due to extreme mental compromise. Obviously, they're, in, they're invoking the 25th Amendment. Uh, New York Republican Claudia Tenney sent a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland in which she cited grave concerns over his mental competency after the investigation revealed that special counsel Robert Herr believed a jury would be reluctant to convict the 81-year-old president who he believed would present himself as, quote, a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Of course, 25th Amendment allows the cabinet to strip the president of their authority if, and I quote, they're unable to discharge the powers and duties of their office. Uh, She went on to cite several instances of Biden's mental decline, some of which were that he couldn't remember what position he had held. And he couldn't even remember um, when his son died. And then this is horribly sad. And yet another, anybody who's been around anyone with cognitive decline or dementia or Alzheimer's, you, you recognize this for what it is right away. Um, notably, she's pr- probably, I'm assuming, referring to an interview with um, the family of Specialist Kennedy Sanders. That's one of the three servicemen killed by the Iranian-backed rebels recently. And Biden, during the interview, told the family that his son, Bo, had died uh, because of the war. 
And the direct quote was, he said, my son, my son spent a year in Iraq and that's how I lost him, end quote. <clears throat> Iraq, in fact, had nothing to do with his son Bo's death, who died of a geoblastoma. It was a brain tumor, cancer, in 2015. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like comical at this point. Like, now you have a growing number of leftists and Democrats who are saying, okay, obviously Joe Biden has a problem. His, his cognitive decline is becoming a serious issue for us and our national security, not to mention all the domestic problems that he can't get a handle on. So essentially what you have is a government that's not represented by the people. You have a bureaucracy of people that are controlling, right? The strings calling the shots. And Joe Biden is just sort of mumbling and shuffling around. I can't believe that his wife, uh, Jill Biden, has not stepped in to do something about this. Normally you see that spouses are more protective of, of their, of their um, you know, spouse, especially if they're suffering from cognitive decline. I think that's so sad, right? Looking at his decline and that no one around him is stepping in to say, hey, maybe it's time to, to step down. You can't, you can't speak correctly. You can't remember anything. You're misquoting things. There's, there's no way you're gonna have the, the mental fortitude to, to make serious national security decisions or, or domestic decisions like, we, like we've said. I don't know, what was your take on the backlash there for his investigation? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I've found it really strange <clears throat> to your point that nobody has really done anything about this yet. Mm. Uh, you talked about the 25th Amendment, the vice president and a majority of the cabinet members uh, or even Congress could basically say that he's unfit to carry out the duties of the presidency. And then, um, you know, Kamala Harris would act as the vice president. She could come out of her closet Yikes! and uh, <clears throat> she could be the vice president for the maybe, maybe we don't term. want that then. Well, the, <laughs> the, the reason they haven't done that, I think is because I think they still believe that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump in this upcoming election in November of this year. Um, maybe they think that they can win off the fact that, uh, much like a jury, the American people will see him as an innocent old guy who's harmless and they contrast that against Trump who they make out to be evil. And, uh, you know, maybe he wins again and then they, then they invoke that, which I think would be disastrous, but I, I'm not sure we talked months ago about Tucker Carlson thinking that, uh, who we'll talk about later, but you know, he, he would bet his house, uh, or he said something about betting his fishing house in Maine that Biden wouldn't be the nominee. And I mean, we're getting pretty close. States are having primaries. Uh, you know, a decision has to be made here soon. Well, here's, here's another perspective on, I, I don't know that anyone, it's getting harder and harder to believe that he can beat Donald Trump. You were kind of seeing that come out, but, but think of it. What about this? This is just, you know, perspective here. Um, what if it's that the bureaucracies around Joe Biden have enjoyed such an amount of power that they don't want to lose the 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 puppet that they have in the White House. I mean, there's puppets and then there's puppets. You know, like well, Joe, and that Joe would Biden be, was never fit to be the president in the first place. Obama made that clear. Well, and that would be very telling as to why they're really the ones with the power, at least right. in the Section Four of the Twenty Fifth Amendment, that uh, they could go and say, "Hey, this guy's unfit." But and like you panicking. said, if the FBI, the director of the FBI, and other organizations, transportation, whatever it may be. If they're like, hey, the boss is checked out and I get to do whatever I want, I can I can do my will. Yeah. Why would they? Uh, I mean, look look at what they've done, right? The 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 extreme advancement of progressive Marxism under the Biden administration has been historical, of historical proportions. So if if they get rid of Joe Biden, 
then you might have a person in there that you don't have as much control over, right? I don't know. I, I'm still, I think this is still up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, I think it's getting harder and harder to hide from his mental decline. Um, even even today in the in the supposed, or I'm sorry, yesterday in, in his press brief, he started off, like we said, real animated and angry about the documents and Trump. But then the second half was like, it was, it's got to be horrible for their PR. I mean, he starts doing it again. He's mumbling. He doesn't say words correctly. He forgets what he, at one point, he just stopped in the middle of saying something. Well, it's and really like, easy to be animated when you're <clears throat> reading off a teleprompter, but when it's your time to exit stage right. That's what it is. And yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he can't help himself but respond to somebody. I mean, and I get it. It's human nature, right? Somebody's accusing you of something or uh, the press is asking you a question. You want to stop. Most presidents do. But also most presidents are not mentally incompetent and can continue to have a conversation off script. So it's really easy to be animated when, when you're reading off a screen. But when he, when he has to do it on his own, it's clear that his cognitive ability is not there. And, and really it's sad. We've said it before. It's, uh, and you brought up his wife. It's elder abuse. <clears throat> it uh, really is. And, and why she hasn't stepped in is really, uh, is really sad. Yeah. Well, more on that, I'm sure, coming soon. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. I, I'm not convinced that he's even, you know, going to be in the race come November, but who knows? He could be. Like I said, the, the puppet masters have their guy, and they have free roam of, of whatever they want to do in this country with their bureaucracies. You know, you see that in, in the extreme incompetence of people like Mallorcas and Fauci and people who just went absolutely nuts with their progressive Marxist idiocy. And, uh, you know, that all stands to be lost if Biden's not there anymore. So we'll see. Anyways. Yeah. So let's move into uh, this interview that Tucker Carlson has with uh, Vladimir Putin. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, It seems to me and others that the Kremlin has agreed to this interview with Tucker because of his public criticism of aid to Ukraine. Obviously, Putin has an agenda when he speaks to the American people and, and to the rest of the world. Uh, the Russian media, there's reports that they, they treated Tucker like basically a celebrity while in Moscow. They were following his every move every time he left the hotel. Um, he said thank you in Russian at a McDonald's, and that got a lot of media attention within the Russian media uh, beast that it is. And really, Putin took advantage of this time to speak to the American people and to the world to try and uh, convey his version of Russian history and why he thinks sure. Ukraine uh, should have and never did exist. I think one key takeaway really is how Putin thought the interview went himself. He allowed it to be distributed across Russian media outlets after uh, it was recorded. And this is really goes against the uh, kind of the usual motive or MO of, of the Kremlin who really hasn't allowed a number of journalists to have access to Putin in regards to the war in Ukraine Mm-mm. as they have deemed them to be biased. But like I mentioned earlier, because they agree with Tucker's stance of, uh, his uh, kind of negative outlook on aid to Ukraine, they've allowed him to. Well, to that's do not shocking. Everything. That's to be expected, too. I mean, so to be clear, my let's just clarify sort of our take. My take on this is that, you know, I think that interviews like this should occur when possible. I mean, yeah, obviously, everyone has their own interests in mind. So do so do so does any nation. Right. So that's not surprising. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, Putin wanted it because, well, of course he wanted it. Like. You know, if, but if you're going to sit down and talk, then have at it. I don't care. It's called, you know, freedom of the press, free speech. Well, and I saw a lot of people call Tucker a, a useful idiot for doing this, but I, I think Tucker challenged him on quite a few things uh, throughout the interview. I mean, I think that the American people were extremely interested in this. I think that's what drove, you know, 
the whole interview in the first place. People just want to hear what he said. It's a two hour conversation. Um, and obviously you have to use your brain. You have to wisely discern like any conversation you're having and pick apart what's propaganda, you know, what's not. But I think people are interested in free speech and they want to hear what he had to say. It, my, my take was I'm not, this wasn't a side thing. It was just a, it was just an interview to put out information and talk to someone. So, I mean, it's amazing the left's perspective on that because, you know, they're all about like freedom of the press and we should be able to share any side. They're all about protecting people like Edward Snowden and, you know, the list goes on and on. But then as soon as like, and they do this with everything, right? They're such hypocrites. As soon as you have a conversation or all of a sudden it's like, you have no rights, you know, there's no free speech. We need to get rid of it, get rid of it. I, I just think that a lot of people could settle down and just view it as what it was. It was, it was an interview and uh, that's what Tucker does, you know? Now that's not to say anything about it. Now, I, I like, again, we're not taking a like, oh, we, 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 we love one side or the other. I just was interested in what the conversation entailed. So into that a little bit, I thought it was interesting. Um, if you watch the interview, Tucker kind of opens before it cuts to the Kremlin scene. Tucker himself opens and says that Putin goes on this long historical dissertation and that he thought it was filibustering and he thought it was annoying. That's what he said, right? Well, at the time when he was doing it, he thought that, <clears throat> right? right. So um, you get into it and it's true. It was like the first hour is like a historical dissertation on the first 900 years of Russian history. It was quite extensive. I think as a Westerner too, when you when you watch this conversation, it's important to realize that you're 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 dealing with a different culture as well. Not everybody is like you know Californians or New Yorkers or Americans in general. It's Russia has a very different culture, um, and sometimes it's a little slower of a process. So I love history. I didn't mind you know sort of listening through it, but obviously keeping in mind that Putin has an agenda. So he goes through all of this history and eventually he reaches a point where it's a little closer to the current conflict. And, and essentially, we, I'll just summarize it for you. He basically is saying that Russia's at war with Ukraine because Putin believes that that land belongs to Russia. That and one of the justifications he gave Tucker was that Ukraine was full of Nazis. He called it the denazification. And then there's a little back and forth banter about that. Um, it, here's what I thought. Read between the lines on this. It's nothing new. It's what any, any good student of geopolitical matters around the world already knows. The real issue presented by Putin is the encroachment of NATO. That, that's what I took from what he was explaining. He's basically saying that Russia believes Ukraine is inching closer to becoming a NATO member. And then in all of his history, what, what he gives as examples is that after the Soviet Union fell, Russia was promised you know, that there wouldn't be any more new additions and that these, uh, since then he quotes five different nations that joined NATO. It's encircling him, et cetera, et cetera. So from a, from a Russian national perspective, they, they saw Ukraine as next up on the, on the next up to bat on the NATO list. And that, that had to be prevented. Um, in Putin's own words, he actually clarified the NATO threat as viewed by Russia when he said, and I quote in NATO documents, our country is officially and directly declared the main threat to Europe, Euro Atlantic security, and Ukraine will serve as the advanced foothold for such an attack. Now, what I think that's interesting is I'm, I'm not validating that. I'm not saying that's true or not. I'm saying, listen to what he's saying. That's his perspective. And I thought that was interesting. He believes uh, that NATO is a threat to Russian national security, and they're taking active steps to stop that. And, and that's honestly, it's as black and white as he's like, that's why I have the right to invade. Ukraine belongs to Russia. It always has historically. That's what he's claiming. 
and NATO is encroaching on our borders. We view that as a threat, so we took action. That, honestly, you could summarize the whole interview. That's what Putin wanted to say. And again, that's, that's well known. We already know that. So that's not a big surprise. He didn't say anything new necessarily. You're just hearing it from him. Uh, he did, although, make it very clear that the war is not stopping anytime soon. He told Tucker at one point that if, if the Americans really wanted the war to stop, that we should stop funding and supplying Ukraine and that it would be over in a few weeks. Uh, of course, he's going to say that. He's on that side of the, of the war. Um, they talked about a bunch of other stuff, common talking points, disputed subjects. I mean, you basically just heard Putin giving a defense for the Russian perspective, and it lasted two hours. So, you know, I'm all about freedom of speech and information. Uh, just because you listen to someone talk doesn't mean you agree with them. So I encourage everyone to go listen to it. I think the mainstream media should do a better job at just putting information out there for Americans to decide, absent the framing and the perspective agenda that oftentimes comes with mainstream media. We, we know Tucker has this problem. That's why he left Fox, right? He didn't want to be controlled. And that's a major problem. The left is the absolute worst with that. Uh, we were just talking before in our research here, you read article after article. Whenever these news organizations are left-leaning, it's it's petulant. The writing looks like a typical like Marxist college student. The arguments are poor. The wording is terrible. It sounds immature. Um, and that's annoying. So, you know, Tucker, I think, brings that, that just give us the news sort of perspective that America wants again. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you decide. I'm not going to tell you how to think about it, but here's here's what the guy said. Have at it. You're not necessarily taking sides. That's what the press is is supposed to do. And we don't have a lot of that in this country. So that, that's that was my takeaway. I, I don't think he really said anything new or revealing necessarily. He just regurgitated the Russian perspective. And if you follow the conflict at all, he didn't say anything new. So yeah. Okay. Well uh, moving on uh <clears throat> There's a court case that's coming out of uh, the Hawaii Supreme Court that has sparked the gun control debate again. So to give a little background, this case dates to a December uh, 2017 arrest when a Hawaii citizen, Christopher Wilson, uh, was charged with improperly holding a firearm and ammunition in West Maui. And uh, in addition, the firearm Wilson was arrested carrying was unregistered in Hawaii and he never obtained or applied for a permit to own the gun. So basically he was carrying a gun in public with ammunition uh, that he was neither registered to carry concealed. Uh, and also the, the gun was not registered in the state of Hawaii. So now of course, Wilson argues in court that the charges brought against him violated the second amendment of the U S <clears throat> constitution and the Hawaii court explicitly rejected the U.S. <clears throat> Supreme Court's uh, previous interpretations of the Second Amendment in uh, some pretty <clears throat> landmark cases like D.C. versus Heller in 2008 and 2022's New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, uh, which both held that there is a constitutionally protected right to carry firearms. So the Hawaii decision also concluded in addition to this, and I think this is what really sparked the conflict because so far that seems like pretty black and white, right? We know that the Constitution says that we have a right to carry, and there are several states across the United States that say, yeah, I don't think so. So really, the the, the meat of this new uh, obsession <clears throat> is that the Hawaii decision also concluded that the Hawaii Constitution broadly, and I quote the, uh, the judge here, does not afford a right to carry firearms in public places for self-defense. Which they just unilaterally decided themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, there's like I said, there's there's Supreme Court cases uh, that date back that have already dealt with this issue. I yeah. I think the really they just don't agree with it. Yeah, I think <clears throat> that the really troubling thing uh, about this is that it sets a precedent that when the court's opinion uh, it states, and again I quote, that it makes no sense for contemporary society to pledge allegiance to the founding era's culture, realities, laws, and understandings of the Constitution. That's, That's what the judge said. Outrageous. So could this not lead to saying <clears throat> the same thing about free speech, free assembly, or other rights afforded to it, Americans? It already has. Yeah. That's why they're trying to cancel everyone for, you know, not using the right pronouns. And they're, they're going to eliminate the whole Constitution because it doesn't fit with their Marxist agenda. Yes. Absolutely insane. So here's the reality. I think this is nothing more than a typical <clears throat> liberal gun grab. Hawaii does not have uh, a, a gun problem, so to speak. I did some research, and this was according uh, to the very liberal ever every town uh, for gun safety support fund that put together these uh, gun violence statistics for the state of Hawaii. According <clears throat> to their own research, Hawaii has the 50th highest rate of gun deaths in the United States. 60% of all of those gun deaths are uh, in Hawaii are suicides. And across all states, Hawaii has the 49th highest rate of gun homicides in the country. Of all homicides in Hawaii, 30 37% involve a gun compared to 74% nationally. So I, I don't understand. They're, they're trying to say that Hawaii has a, a gun violence problem, but really the statistics say something else. And you also have to remember these 67% of all gun deaths. I mean, you're talking like 10 in a year. I mean, Hawaii doesn't have that. Well, many remember, there's only 50 states. So when you hear numbers like well, 50th exactly. and 49th, you're talking they're last. Last. Yeah. yeah. And now that is due to the fact that uh, there's like 14% gun ownership in, in Hawaii compared to uh, 28% in California of people who own guns. And then, of course, higher in, in states like Montana with lower populations. Montana is the highest at I think 67%. Um, so take all of those things into into factor two. But really, based off these statistics provided by a very liberal uh, gun-grabbing or organization, there's really not a, a gun issue that I can see in Hawaii. There's not a gun issue. Like, there's never a gun issue. There's a human heart issue. And like we see a lot with other areas, especially other countries that have taken guns away, you don't see a reduction in violence or bad people. You just see more stabbings. You know, you see more, you see violence making use of other tools because yeah. it doesn't matter what you call it. You know, it's like we always say, like, you could kill somebody with a club and call it an assault club. You know, does that make it different than what it is? It's just a stick, right? Well, look at London. London has all kinds yeah. of stabbings, <clears throat> people getting run over with vans. I mean, but they don't have guns. Well, the real issue is that, and again, we talked about how petulant the left has become. It, remember, they're coming, they're being churned out of progressive Marxist universities that are just propaganda machines. If you look at some of the wording they used, the Hawaii Supreme Court said that um, in their judgment, that well-regulated militia and bear arms, those terms, uh, limit the use of deadly weapons to a military purpose. That's a false statement right there. It just shows you an ignorance of, of real U.S. history. Again, you have to look at the products of the schools they're coming from, right? If you, if you pay uh, thousands of dollars to go to a super liberal college nowadays in this country, they're going to teach you all of the, the same propaganda that motivates America's enemies. And this is a clear example of it because anyone with a cursory knowledge of early you know, uh, United States history would know that the founders wanted an armed citizenry. That's it. It's very black and white. It's the simplest amendment to understand. 
we believe that people should be armed, period. And, 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 and that's not, there's no really room for discussion there. So did you have something you're going to read? No, actually this was for later. <clears throat> I, I just, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why people don't see this for what it is. I mean, the court is openly saying, and this is another quote from the Hawaii Supreme court. There's, there are no words that mention a personal right to possess lethal weapons, uh, for possible self-defense. That is just flat out a lie. You know, that's just a lie. What do you think the second amendment is? You know, in the book, we have a chapter titled self-defense and we break this down on why this is actually really, really important. This is much more than just a, should I carry a gun or not? The, the, the concept, the American concept of self-defense is rooted in Christian Judaic values. And, and if we lose that, we lose everything that those values help protect. You see, our concept of self-defense is rooted in the value of human life. And that's where the leftist stray from us in that regard is that ideologically they don't believe that life has value that's why they've slaughtered millions of unborn children through abortion they have slaughtered an untold number of people in in medical uh forced issues and mistakes look the, the bottom line is that our perspective on the value of life is a firm foundational belief that upholds the second amendment and and that's really what we're battling here is two ideologies it has nothing to do with uh the gun statistics, as you claim, they're, they're non-existent. They're not there. So the, the bigger issue here really is how, how can we even let this happen? Like we basically had a Supreme court that's saying the constitution is old and outdated and we don't need it. Uh, that's a problem because like you said, they could keep going with, with all kinds of other issues. Yeah, where does it end? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's scary. I feel bad for the people of Hawaii, but you know, you get what you vote for. That's, that's like we always talk about, you know, there's a reason to stay involved and paying attention because you wake up one day and your freedoms are gone. You don't, you don't even recognize where you live because you've been that apathetic to not care about these issues. Coming back to the church, I mean, where else can people go for the truth, for discernment and wisdom on making decisions for the world and their community around them? Got to wake up. <clears throat> I think that's all we have for Hawaii. Did you have something else? Yeah, I was just going to mention, so I think it's always good to uh, kind of circle back and, and end on Scripture and the Bible. This week I was studying in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. It starts off talking about fixing your eyes on Jesus. And uh, ch uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And really something that I took away from this, uh, from some commentary that I was reading and, and really the message as we move into uh, this election cycle is for the Christian, for the believer, do not be brave for the world or do not catch yourself being brave from the, uh, for the world, yet cowardly towards Christ. Because mm. uh, it talks about the shame mm -hmm. that Jesus endured on the cross. And although he didn't like it, he didn't see it as shameful uh in the sense that he was embarrassed about what, what he was doing or right. what he stood for. Um, and so don't be brave in something that you're doing for <clears throat> worldly gain uh, and yet find yourself being cowardly uh, when it comes to Christ. So just something I wanted to end on, cause I think it's always oh, good, good to, uh, yeah. to end on, on biblical scripture. I, I don't know if you have anything to add. No, to that. I, I think that's fantastic. I think that's really important too, in light of everything that we talk about is that now is not the time to be ashamed. Now in our season, his, historically is the time to be brave for what you believe and be bold 
as a Christian. Uh, that's what we always say. Truth matters. Like the, the time for apathy and ignorance is, is gone. We are now beginning to suffer the consequences of that. We see it nationally and we see it locally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear as well. Um, and Luke chapter nine, you know, says that for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, this is Jesus saying of him, will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory? Uh, that's kind of a scary thought, right? Well, yeah. And I think really too, I mean, it's really easy to uh, be brave and bold and, and Christ-like when you're in church and worshiping and hearing the world, sure. the word. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of this more than anybody else, but when you go out into the world, it, it, it can be, uh, you know, embarrassing sometimes, or you feel embarrassed, or maybe you want to feel embarrassed about, uh, you know, following Christ. But Daniel, uh, to go back to the same, uh, in Hebrews, it quotes, uh, the commentary that I was, uh, studying goes back to Daniel chapter 12 too, that really describes Jesus, uh, the shame that Jesus bore, um, the hellish shame, it calls it, uh, was really to accomplish our redemption. Mm -hmm. And so even though what he felt was shame, he was doing it, uh, so he could basically die for our sins. Um, and so, yeah, just something, like I said, that I was studying this week and I thought was really important to bring up as we move into, uh, this election season. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good sort of personal call to action that if you're a believer, right, now is the time to kind of step back and say, what what am I doing here? What is my purpose? And maybe take it to the Lord in prayer. No, do take it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do? How can I live out my faith in a practical way with those around me and not be ashamed of the gospel? Because as the word says, it's the power of God unto believers. Um, and, and that's obviously something that God takes very seriously. Like we just read in Luke, like God's like, look, after everything, like, like you just read, right? After everything Jesus suffered and everything he went through, you know, the, the time for that grace will eventually pass. When, when the judgment comes, God's like, look, if you were ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. And that's, you know, doesn't have good implications when he says that. So yeah, I think that's a good personal call to action. Maybe this week, spend some time in prayer and really seek out, Lord, how can I use what you've given me? Just be faithful in the small things. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's a, maybe you're in the ministry. Wherever you are, how can you make an impact? Oftentimes, that's just by not being ashamed. It starts with a conversation and speaking truth. And of course, you can't do that unless you're prepared, which means you gotta you gotta kind of wake up and grow up at this point in life. You gotta get into the Bible, study these issues, pay attention to what's going on, be prepared to give an answer, like the Bible tells us, right? And um, that should be done without delay. I agree. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for this episode, guys. Remember to check out definingtruth.org. Check out the website, definingtruth.org, and get yourself a free audio sample of the book and get a book if you want to read it in paperback. And remember, we always need your financial support here as well. And uh, Defining Truth is a nonprofit organization. No one takes a salary, but we do need funds to uh, do everything that we do and equip people with truth and get that info out there. So if you'd consider that, we'd love to partner with you. More info there at definingtruth.org as well. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.